Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. And we're dedicated to helping entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Ag Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Well, we got a little story for you, Ags. Jason Beasley, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1995, is the founder and chief bottle washer at the Beasley Group. The Beasley Group is a fractional accounting firm based in College Station that helps clients with their strategic decisions by demystifying their numbers. So pass it back and listen up to Jason as he shares some good bull. Well, welcome back, Ags. This Aggie Growth Hacks podcast, we've got one of my dearest friends, and I can't wait for all of you to know his story. Probably not as good as I do, but but to know Jason and to know his story, he's a man that's a veteran and an entrepreneur and someone that's got a passion for helping and supporting entrepreneurs. So Jason, thank you so much for joining us on Aggie Growth Hacks and let's learn about you and your company. Let's do it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, maybe even the the, the seeds that were planted as a veteran and kind of being a veteran, coming to A&M and kind of taking it from there. You know, we all know the phrase serial entrepreneur. Well, the other side of that coin is probably reluctant entrepreneur. And that's kind of where I was. Uh, I spent probably eight to 10 years trying to figure out what I could do to be my own boss. I was tired of cashing somebody else's checks and I wanted to do my own thing. And I didn't really understand what that meant other than to get away from what I do best. So did I want to open a store? Did I want to, what direction was I going to go in that wasn't called accounting to be my own boss? And I've got a good friend of mine in San Antonio that's kind of a serial entrepreneur. He has never met a bad idea. And he sends me an email in the middle of the night that just says, this is what you should be doing. And it was a link to a company in New Jersey that wasn't just a bookkeeping company. It really was a tech enabled company. And, you know, in 2010 or 12 or whenever that, I guess 2012, that was a little bit harder idea to get your hands around. How do you yep. use technology to, to reach a broader client base? Yeah. So I followed that link. I looked at it. You know what? It essentially amounted to taking me and dividing me into 10 pieces and selling it to 10 different people. And so that's really where it started. So how, how long between the time you got that email and the time that you stepped out and had your first client? Probably six months. Okay. That's six pretty fast. Months maybe that was probably summer of 12. I formed the business in November of 12. I started having conversations with business owners I knew and really kind of dumb luck. One of those guys was like, Hey, I need you. And then once I showed him what I could do to help his business, he started talking to his friends and that turned into even today, probably a third of the existing client base came from that original. Wow original. He was client number two. And some of the people he referred me to are still with me. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's where it started. Interesting. And so for our audience, what, what exactly do you do? What is, what is the Beasley Group? So the Beasley Group uh, at its foundation is a bookkeeping company. Okay. Uh, we work with small business owners to keep score where we do it a little bit differently. I call it bookkeeping on steroids. Okay. Uh, my background is in eight and nine figure companies with in uh, several different industries, manufacturing, distribution. I've been a lot of places. And so what we do is we take the information we gather during the bookkeeping process and we present it to the owners in a way that helps them understand the story of their business financially. And then we take that information and we say, okay, here's where we are. 
where do you want to be? What decisions do we need to make to to make that that change to achieve your end goals? And we help them manage the decision making process by focusing them on the decisions they've already made and understanding those decisions. Okay. We focus on activity. You're an auto mechanic. What's the number one metric you care about? How many cars did you fix? What act, what actions do you need to take as a business, as an owner, to drive that activity? That's what we do. So it's not just scorekeeping for the sake of scorekeeping or scorekeeping for a tax return. It's scorekeeping with the intention of using the numbers to learn and to grow. Interesting. Love it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about when you went to Texas A&M, is, is there something that you took out of out of being an Aggie and, and, and going to Texas A&M that has helped you as an entrepreneur? You know, I've built a business around service. Our job is to manage the financial side of the business around freeing the clients from those things as much as possible. So we keep score. We tell you what the numbers say. We help you understand your decisions. We help you grow. We get to the end of the year. We do all have to file tax returns whether we want to or not. So we, we manage that relationship. We facilitate getting all the information to the CPA. We don't do their taxes because I hate taxes, but we put tools in place so the clients can just get us all of their information, even their personal stuff, and we facilitate getting that to the clients. So it's a, it's a service-oriented company more so than just a scorekeeping business. And you know, you think back to our core values, selfless service is, is on that list, and that's really a big part of who we are just serving that need because small business owners are usually great at one or two things and finances and paperwork are not one of those one or two things. So what can we do to take care of those things for you? What? (laughs) I mean, Chris has said at least, at least a dozen times, it's like, I hate accounting. (laughs) Hell, I know accountants that don't like accounting, (laughs) but, but to be able to have that value and to be able to have someone like you that helps them have accurate numbers and then see the story through the numbers. Right. right. You know, and, and, and to, to say, okay, how do your operation, the things that you make, using your example of uh, the, the car man, uh, repair, okay, is it, are my guys too slow? Am I not advertising enough? Why don't I have enough cars coming through the right. shop? And then let's fix that problem. No, that's exactly right. And that's exactly what we focus on is, you know, how do I make that number better than it was last month? And how do I make it better the month after that? So Jason, you, by definition of that, you help entrepreneurs with challenges that they have. Yes. But you're an entrepreneur yourself. Correct. What's the biggest challenge that you've had probably in the last 18 to 24 months? And and how are you working to overcome it? Growth. Going into COVID, I was a one-man band. I'd been a one-man band almost the entire time we were in business. And, you know, going back 2013, navigating COVID was a challenge. I felt like I did about 11 billion PPP applications. You had a really good banker that helped with all. I had a really (laughs) mediocre banker that helped me understand (laughs) what, what, you know, what was going on with PPP. He knew how to keep me engaged and with him by putting my application at the bottom of the list. (laughs) (laughs) Job security, man. (laughs) So, so, but coming out of COVID, it was the strangest phenomenon. Roughly March of 21, Virtually every client came to me and said, hey, we're going to start another business. What are you going to charge me to keep track of it and and help me with it? And so 60, 70% organic growth, just 
existing clients doing new stuff over the next 12 to 15 months. So by summer of last year, we had grown really 60, 70% wow. just in volume organic. of work. Yeah, organic. It forced me to to add staff. You know, again, going into COVID, I was a one-man band. My wife started doing some specialty analytical work for clients that had some unique things going on that were not really necessarily bookkeeping, but needed somebody that could get in and really understand what they did need and just execute on those needs. So she came on as staff. We hired a bookkeeper that that initially she started out doing just payroll because I had to plan an entire two-week vacation around when I was going to process payroll, which seemed like the worst thing in the history of business owning. So we fixed that and and it's been coming fast and furious ever since. I mean, we're literally double what we were in March of 21. Wow. And so we've actually just hired another bookkeeper. Okay. So the, it, in the last two years, it's been managing growth. So how do you teach someone what you know, right? And, and being able to see through the numbers and, and pick out the things that's going to help. How have you been able to do that in order to scale that? Are you talking about as a staff person or as a client? Basically what you do. How do you, how do, you do that and teach someone else to do what you do with your clients? So their job as staff members are really to manage the foundation. If the books are trash, everything else is trash. Yeah. You know, I I can't tell a good story if the numbers don't make any sense. So teaching them is how do we how do we make the software do the right thing, right? Everything software built these days, our entire universe in QuickBooks Online. So how do we how do you do that piece of it, and then giving them boundaries? I, I I want them to communicate with clients. I don't want to be the bottleneck. I don't want to be you know the hub in the middle of the wheel. So as they got, get their feet on the ground, I connect them with the clients and I empower them to to talk about things with the clients. And I, it, for me, it's helping them understand where their limit is. This is how much rope I'm willing to give you. Don't exceed this. Like, like we get to certain things that, that I need to be in the middle of that. But for me, it's been pointing them in the right direction, teaching them how to do what I need them to do, and then letting them go forth and conquer and kind of stand out of the way until they tell me they need help. Love it. So Jason, as, as you are talking and, and advising clients, because what I'm, what I'm hearing and what I know is that, that you have the foundation of bookkeeping to make sure that the data is, is good, but then you also coach and push the clients that, that you work with to make their businesses better, stuff like that. But how do you how do you approach that? Because you are in a lot of different types of companies. I mean, you've got service companies, you've got companies that are distributors, you you've got a whole bunch. I mean, your your background is manufacturing. How do you how do you actually bring that clarity with the clients? The hardest thing for me to impart upon a client is that success isn't defined in dollars and cents. It's defined in widgets. And, you know, if you're a restaurant and you're doing a million dollars year over year, but we've had 10% inflation, you probably sold less food than you sold last year. And you just think you had a similar year. I've been in a lot of different places, but the manufacturing background seems to be what serves me the best because the conversation focuses on the activity. It focuses on on widgets. How many widgets did you produce last period? How many are you going to produce this period? How are we going to increase our production? So once I, I find it, once I can get the business owner away from dollars and cents and into the activity that drives success, understanding what the activity is, what their widget is, then that's really where it starts to become productive is focusing on, okay, what is our widget? 
What does it cost to make? What do we sell it for? Is that the right, right relationship between those two, that cost and revenue? And how do we improve that, that spread? Which is, that's manufacturing. That's cost accounting 101. So it sounds to me it's, it's more what you, what you do really with clients is way more than just being a bookkeeper. It is. Right. It is. It's, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of their controller. Okay. You know, and a controller in this market is, I mean, it's a six-figure position, mm-hmm. right? So who's going to hire a six-figure accountant? It's not going to be a million-dollar company, but they, can, but they could definitely benefit from having a tenth of a controller. And that's really what it comes down to. Fractional controller. Fractional controller. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Exactly right. So then the question then becomes, how do you scale that? Right. How do you, how do you literally take you and multiply you? So right now scaling has meant uh, the bookkeepers. It has meant getting the foundation work that's, that's critical that has to be right. Getting that off of my plate. There's essentially four or five phases of what we do. Bookkeeping, financial reporting, analysis of the financial reports, and turning that into to information that the client's going to understand and learn from. So those are basically the four phases. Well, three years ago, I was a one-man band. Now we've got bookkeepers in place. And the foundational piece, that first phase, is off of my plate. The person we just hired that really started with us this week, she has some ability, I think, to turn into a, a reporting person and an analytical person, which turns which frees up a lot of my time because my time is spent now, right now on meeting prep and meetings, creating financial reports, analyzing the reports, meeting with the client. The next phase of that scaling is eliminating the financial report writing because it can be either done by somebody else or done by a piece of software. A year ago, I invested in a financial report writer that connects directly to QuickBooks. So we close the books in QuickBooks. I sync everything over. The reports are already created. I used to spend two to two hours a month for every client creating financial reports. Now I spend about 10 minutes. And so that that's another piece of the puzzle for me. How do I automate everything I can so I'm not spending man hours on things that don't need to be manual labor? And was that vision because way you said when you that client emailed you to the link, the one in New Jersey, mm-hmm. they were a technology friendly, at the very least firm. Mm-hmm. And so was it always your plan to be able to have a strong technology bent? Or is that something that you just realized over the last couple of years? I can't do these. I can't put these hours in anymore. And so I've got to find somebody else to do it. And you just happen to find technology that works. So the guy that sent me that email is an IT guy. It's probably the, with apologies to William Ferris, if he actually gets to hear this, he's probably the best IT person I've ever met. And so he helped me a lot in kind of the, the beginning IT. But what did that look like? In 2015, 2013, you ran QuickBooks desktop. And if you had multiple users, you did it in a terminal server. And that was how you did it. We put a file share in place called Ignite, which is kind of a corporate version of Dropbox, uh, but it doesn't have a billion free users. So it's kind of off the radar. That's a great filing cabinet. It's a great way to share documents. But Eric helped me put a lot of those things in place. What's changed in probably the last six or seven years for a lot of us is is the cloud. You know, QuickBooks Online was a perfectly bad product when they first rolled it out. <laughs> in 2017, it had gotten to the point where it was a pretty good product, but it wasn't a great one. But it's continued to evolve. And the best thing about QuickBooks Online is they're good at what they're good at and they open the back door for the rest. So they allow companies that are great financial report writers 
to plug into the back door and pull information out. They allow businesses like like Angry Elephant here. If you know, I don't know what they're using for point of sale, but Square, which is one of the best point of sales out there, has a great conversation with QuickBooks Online. So for me, when I'm looking for audit, when I'm looking for ways to get better, that's one of the things I'm looking for is how can I automate something because QuickBooks is so good at having conversations with other pieces of software. So since we're kind of geeking out on the technology part, right? What's come around really big since November of last year is AI. How are you looking at AI on, on improving the processes and everything that, that you're doing with, with your clients? I think for me, AI is probably going to help streamline the, the presentation piece to the clients. You know, right now I do create a set of financials. I do a lot of analysis. I'm taking handwritten notes. You know, this thing here has got gobs and gobs and gobs of notes in it. And then I go sit down with the client and I've got my chicken scratch notes that I've got to refer back to. It would be beneficial to be able to take the data, the numbers, and be able to have something that can crunch those numbers, write a written narrative, and incorporate those numbers without it being a canned month in and month out. It's the same verbiage with different numbers. Yeah. Just elevator talk. It went up, it went down. Well, I yeah, I, I can tell exactly. that by the numbers. Exactly. More. So are we going to reach a point where AI can can take my handwritten notes or or take the thoughts in, the, behind my handwritten notes and turn that into to written analysis that can be shared with the client? That's where I could see it mattering. There's a lot of basic bots in place for bookkeeping. I can teach QuickBooks today that Angry Elephant is, is a business meal. I can't teach it necessarily how to how to write a set of financials and tell the story. So it's, it sounds like as as the industry continues to evolve, as your clients demands on you continue to evolve by necessity, you're going to have to evolve your business, what you offer, how you actually give them information and data and insight to make those decisions. You're having to constantly reinvest in yourself. I am. It, it's, you know, you, you can't sit still. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the competition. In fact, I pay zero attention to the competition, but I do pay attention to how the tools I use are evolving. Are the tools evolving? You know, I, I the file share we use, it's been a fantastic kind of backbone of the company. I had a conversation this morning about replacing it because they don't give me some of the things I want. And so I'm going to look at replacing that that tool. I'm not a complacent person. I don't sit still very well. You kind of know that. So yeah, what can we do to get better? What worked yesterday may not work tomorrow. Love it. Continually, you know, sharpening the sword for Mm -hmm. sure. That's That's right. So Jason, one of the things that we talk about on every single one of our episodes here is your vision of our entrepreneurs, right? What is your mission? What is your big, hairy, audacious goal? What is your five to 10 year moonshot? You know, we've been here 10 years and I probably would have told you three years ago, I'd have been happy to just coast along until I reached the point where we were ready to retire and it was via Condios. Now, as we've started to grow beyond what I can keep track of and, and what I want to deal with myself, I'm starting to see this as what it probably should have always been, which is something that I could one day identify a, a successor and and sell the business to somebody that can that can look and go, well, you've done something pretty amazing, but we're going to take it at the next step further. So, you know, 10 years from now, we will have been in business 20 years. And, you know, I'm in my early 50s. 
if I'm in my early 60s and we reach that point, I'm going to hopefully have that person on staff that looks and goes, that's what I want to do with my next 20 years. And then they can take it and, and buy me out and run with it. So I, I think if I'm looking for that big, hairy, audacious goal, it's turned this into something that somebody else can look at and go, that's an amazing way to live your life. That's how I want to live. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this happen. I mean, the cool thing is, is that you probably have clients that's very similar goals. And so now you just have to drink your own champagne and take your own advice and actually work on your own business instead of working on theirs all the time. A month ago at EBV, one of the entrepreneurs literally held up a piece of paper and said, this is your mirror. What do you need to do to, to improve your business? He said, you've spent all week here telling us how to improve ours. It's your turn. And I've been kind of sitting on that conversation for a month now. Wait, you know, what does that look like? Well, let's pause here and let's have a message from this episode sponsor. Okay, we're back. So we're rolling into the lightning round. One rule, each, uh, each question, answer 30 seconds or less. So we are Aggie Growth Hacks. We love to find ways to improve and help ourselves. What is your favorite personal hack? Time away. I'm self-employed. I work at home. It's really easy to not unplug. It's really easy to, I mean, my commute is about 70 feet long. So I can roll out of bed at 6 a.m., grab a bite to eat, and be working by 6.30, 6.20, 6.15. And on Monday, that might, that might not end until 10 or 11 o'clock at night because Monday is just a really long day for me. So you have to force into your life some me time and some time to unplug. And for me, you know, about six years ago, I hopped on a bicycle the first time. I'm one of those people everybody loves on the road that's, you know, riding 20 miles an hour on a 45 mile an hour road. And, but I don't answer the phone. I don't respond to text messages. And certain times a year, clients know from 11 to one, Jason's on the bike, just leave him alone. So that was one of the harder lessons to learn was you have to learn to prioritize yourself. So for me, I think that hack, that personal hack would be get on the bike and, and get away from everything for a while. Go spend time with my wife, go spend time with the kids. Cause it's really easy to just get lost. Absolutely. Love that. Okay. Next question. What is your personal favorite business? I want to be able to help my clients understand the world at large. So it's not really actually related to accounting. It's not really related to their businesses. It's a, I'm, I'm irrationally passionate about geopolitics. So, you know, the world is changing rapidly. Greg's laughing because we've had a million of these conversations over the years. <laughs> the world's changing rapidly. You can go in any number of places on the internet and read in-depth analysis of how rapidly China is changing. Well, China makes all the crap that we consume. So if they can't make it anymore, somebody has to. And for small business owners, that means supply chain problems. That might mean absurd growth because a bunch of physical plant construction is going to happen in this country to reshore things that for the last 40 years have been done in China. So I really try to understand those types of things with an eye towards what does this mean to my clients? Jason, what's the best bit of advice you've ever been given and how have you applied it? Don't be afraid to be wrong. Don't be afraid to fail. I'm not ever afraid. You're wrong all the time? Is, is that um, how you apply I'm it? I'm almost never wrong. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm not afraid to tell you what I, I'm not afraid to ask a stupid question. You know, I'm not afraid to say something that might be wrong. Uh, it's a learning experience. It's a learning opportunity. So I'm not, I say what's on my mind. I say what I think is right. And 
And if it's wrong, we'll deal with that when we get there. But at the end of the day, I don't really, I don't really worry about falling down. As long as we're falling forward, it's all good. All right. How can the Aggie Growth Hacks community get in touch with you and support you moving forward? Well, Greg tagged me on a LinkedIn post this morning about the podcast, so I know I'm on LinkedIn. I don't really do Facebook. I don't do any of that. TheBeasleyGroup.com. It's our website. There's a contact us link. There's a link, a Calendly link to put yourself on my calendar if you want to talk about your business and what we can do to help your business. I don't know if you want me to give out phone numbers or emails you or want, any of that. Yeah, we've had people do that, yeah, if uh, you want. You know, phone number is 979-777-4748. Don't leave me a voicemail because then I don't have to listen to it. Um, but I will call you back or shoot me a text if we want to talk, then uh, that's fine. Let me know. Well, Alex, there you go. Again, we've got another Aggie entrepreneur that's just wanting to pour into, wanted to help, wanted to encourage you. So take take advantage if you're if you're not connected on Jason with his tens and tens of followers. I think that's an exaggeration. Yeah, I think it's more right. like ones and ones. One, yeah. yeah, my you could probably measure my uh, my followers in in single digits <laughs> on one hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but ser- seriously, check him out. He loves talking about entrepreneurship. Loves talking about business. And loves bringing clarity to you and your numbers. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you, brother. This has been a great great episode. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that pretty cool or what? I know that I had a lot of takeaways from that interview with Jason. What was your biggest takeaway there, Greg? I'm a little bit at, at an advantage. I mean, Jason and I have actually worked together with some some companies, both when I was a banker and now with, with GPM Financial. But the thing that I admire and I took away from our conversation with Jason is that his unique ability to boil a business down to widgets to, to something you know i mean he he talked about how he has a uh, you know he's when he was growing up in accounting he had a background in manufacturing and that has served him well because i think that if entrepreneurs can understand their business in like a widget number whether that be number of cars seen or number of board feet produced or number of windows washed what whatever that is that and you you understand how all the business like impacts down to that number then you can really start to unlock and say okay well if we did more of that how is that going to impact our cash flow how is that going to impact our customer base how is that impact our capacity do we have enough people to wash 17 more windows a day and and to be able to see your business in those terms is very powerful i've seen i've seen it happen and I really respect that he's able to take something very complicated and just boil it down to one number. What about you? Yeah, I totally agree on that. I got to say it was his personal hack, you know, get, having time away and having him time, having me time, right? It is so important for entrepreneurs to unplug, to get away from the business, spend time with your families, you know, and get away from it every once in a while. And and that's honestly, some of the times when I do that, I come up with the best ideas, or at least what I think are the best ideas, right? For the company, right? right? And, and sometimes you do, you have those aha moments. You're like, oh, what am I doing? Why am I doing that? You know, kind of a thing when you're really not thinking about it and, and you're stuck in the day-to-day grind, right? So it is important to get away. And I 100%, well, I know that is my biggest takeaway on, on this episode with Jason. Well, Ags, that's going to do it for this episode. If you're not connected with Jason, make sure that you reached out to him. If you want to have clarity, you want to bo- try to boil your numbers, 
your business down to one number or one metric, he's the man that can definitely help you with that. Make sure that you connect with Aggie Growth Hacks uh, while we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. If you're not if you're not connected to Chris or I, come on out. Connect with us. Let us encourage you. Let us learn about you. Let us maybe spotlight you in a future episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur, or even a wantrepreneur, head on over to their website now to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin. Well, Dags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig'em. Whoop!